Hello, welcome to the Creative Writing Life Podcast. I'm Justin Sloan. And I'm Paul Zeidman, and I'm thrilled to introduce our guest. He's a writer, he's a director, he's a filmmaker, he's just a renaissance man of so many mediums and genres. Boy, I can't wait to get into that. Uh, welcome to the Creative Writing Life, Spider Dabrowski. Hey guys, and great pronunciation as always. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Right, that was only his tenth time practicing, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> well, as we uh, will start our show, like we usually do, uh, talk about stuff we have read or watched uh, recently, good or bad. Justin, do you want to start? I can start. Sure. Your call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've been watching uh, Arnold. I think it's called this uh, the Schwarzenegger mm. uh, three-part uh, uh, documentary, I guess. Uh, part one on his early life bodybuilding, part two is on his acting career, part three is on his politics, and really fun, really inspiring. Uh, you know, it, it's always fun to see people who've been such a, played such a large role in our life. We were just talking about Terminator right before we got on here, and <laughs> so I was like, oh, how relevant. We were just watching all that stuff yesterday, and just like such a, you know, one of those great movies that you can watch a thousand times in my mind, Terminator 1 and 2. Uh, I don't know about the rest of them. I'll just stop at 1 and 2. <laughs> yeah, but, that's uh, probably a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so question yeah, so how, how did your so were you watching it with your kids no no just me and my wife my okay wife I, was, I was gonna say i was i'd really be intrigued to know what your what your kids thought of it especially because they have probably have no idea who schwarzenegger is yeah no we were showing the pictures after the fact of just like his insane muscles and they're like <laughs> <laughs> what is this oh wow yeah uh That's let's good. see uh, i've been uh I'm trying to get as much TCM in as I can off of Max uh, while it's still in its present and current state. Uh, so I watched this great movie. I think it's from the late 40s, early 50s called The Naked City. And it's kind of like a almost a police procedural uh, about uh, this woman is killed and the, the uh, veteran detective who has to track her down and the rookie detective who is like, you know, still getting his feet wet and learning how to how to how it all works. And they filmed it on location in New York and like no sets, like actual apartments and uh, on the bridges and stuff. It, it was kind of, you know, hokey in its own charming way, but I still enjoyed it. And I also just finished uh, watching the complete second season of The Bear. And wow, that is some powerful television. And if you want to see what a really tense episode, that's one hour of nonstop shouting uh that i guess uh watch episode six it's called fishes and you'll definitely understand why if you're familiar with the show you'll definitely you know get a much better insight into all the characters so highly recommend that uh spider That's what about you fun. what's been new in the reading or watching front um you know so i'm, I'm in, in production on a movie and usually when i'm in a movie i don't actually watch new stuff i don't know why i don't like um i don't like taking in new things but i i tend to watch a bunch of the same movie so i Almost like the last every week, I keep rewatching um, Zodiac Seven, uh, all Hunter's films. You know, I, I kind of that's just kind of I keep myself in the like the good creative. State. Um, I love those films, and and um, you know, there's just something about watching new stuff when I'm in production that's just like uh, you could get the wrong idea. You know what I mean? Sure. You just kind of know like that when you're watching great film that you've already seen, it's only going to inspire you and give you, you know, great creative ideas and inspiration of just, even just watching it for lighting or whatever, for sound design. But with a new movie, it can be like a coin flip. And I, I, I have a giant like fear of watching a bad movie during when I'm kind of in production of just like soaking it in subconsciously so i just don't watch new stuff is your is the one you're in production on is it similar in uh, i guess style or in like uh is it similar to zodiac and seven kind of like a like a, a serial thrill thriller type of thing we there's some there are some elements that are similar i'd say like 
crime and horror in that kind of way, but nothing, nothing story-wise, which is why I kind of like watching them. And then, um, yeah, I just, I, I find those, yeah, I do, I do try to watch films that kind of match the genre, but not fully. So it's like, I don't know. It's almost like you're, I'm trying to look for a, um, a larger stroke, like vision board of the types of films and I'll kind of rewatch them all together. Like I'll jump from that to David Lynch to like Kubrick and just kind of play them. And I'll, so, you know, I'll just watch like a few scenes or whatever, uh, things like that. I kind of, I kind of do that while I'm in production and it just, it helps my brain like get excited and, and inspired and, and, um, and it's never, you know, it's some, I think some people worry about like mimicking. It's almost like you see a great scene and a great lighting and you're like, well, my story is nothing like this, but I can't believe he chose to do a scene that was just two people talking and just shoot it on tripod. It's like, oh, wow, I could be maybe simplifying what I'm doing a little bit more. So it kind of gives you those kind of thoughts of inspiration. Um, if you find the great storytellers who are just, you know, they know how to, they know how to tell a story from front to end and, and they do it differently every time. And um, yeah, so that's my, my content watching has been pretty weak. For, sure, for sure. And I, and I totally how get long? it. Oh yeah, go ahead, Dustin. I'm just saying, how long has that been going on for? How long have you are you in this kind of zone? Um, we probably like three three months or something like that. Okay. Yeah. So um, not like three years. It'd be crazy. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, I definitely um, and then right when it's over, I'll like start watching Seinfeld and stuff again. You know, like <laughs> Cla palate cleansers. Yeah, yeah. Or I'm just like, I don't want to watch nothing. You know, like I want to watch something that I can just have on in the background. Um. But yeah, there's, I know, I know me and, and a few other people I know, just, we, we go super into the whole, like watching fi formative film films that had like a big impact on me. I try to watch those during the time and um, see something that I maybe didn't see before, which is like, okay, why is this film one of my favorite films? And it's like, you, when you watch it the seventh time, you start to realize there's all these things you never noticed, you know, production design. That was one of the things I never really thought about. I didn't think about lighting too much. I didn't think about uh, blocking i just kind of watched performance uh story you know plot twists things like that writing dialogue but i didn't realize that like if you blocked an actor to a certain spot and you kind of crescendo the scene by moving people around you can make a line hit better versus just you know expecting actors to kind of block themselves or scenes to just kind of play out well for the camera just on accident you know there's a lot of thought i think spielberg does it really well you know just kind of that's what i was going to ask you about like so you you know the first time you watch it it's as a viewer and then like yeah. multiple viewings like I, this is i'm watching it from the writer's perspective yeah. i'm watching it from the director or yeah. the cinematographer as you said yeah. you know set design and or, or yeah. scene to scene design yeah yeah and you just keep going layers deeper and deeper and you realize that like the masterpiece movies have done every single category down to sound down to even like, I'll notice, I'm like, wow, like in this scene, they literally are muting out almost all the other sounds and you're, they're like hyper-focusing on the faucet sound or whatever. And it's still, the other sound is still there, but they've chosen to like magnify certain parts of the sound. And that's such a great creative choice, you know, all, all, all Foley and all sound other than dialogue is done in post. So you're never, for the most part, you're never shooting any real sounds on set. And so to see how they actually or why they, they decided to like make sound that way or, you know, choose to open a door with a sound that may not even be how a door sounds. So I just go, go into that great, like creative, you know, hive where I'm like just kind of learning and growing for me. It's just a, 
every project is a new experience and um, new, you want to use new tools, new ideas. And I figure that, you know, if you, if you're hearing, you know, Martin Scorsese say he's still learning about filmmaking, it's like, you're never done growing, you know, <laughs> so you stay open to it. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about you. So like, how did you get your start? I mean, were you the type of kid who, you know, you had, uh, you, you know, the family video camera, camera, you were just making movies in the backyard, or you're kind of like, hey, I'm going to try this writing thing. Hey, you know, this is kind of fun. I like this. And kind of that that was the, the doorway into uh, filmmaking. Yeah, I was, um, I actually didn't even real think about scripts at all. I, I never wrote, I didn't particularly like writing. Um, I associated it with like my English classes and stuff. And I, but I did love cameras. I had a VHS camera and I was, um, I, what I was doing was filming, um, videotaping cars, uh, expensive cars. I would wait outside um, my parents' house. We were on, lived on a busy street and I would um, sit there with my brother and two friends and we would, after school, just wait on the corner for car, you know, the Ferraris or the expensive ones to drive by. And we kind of were editing them into these like compilations. And that, that actually kind of, took off when I was about 13 years old, I was on the Jay Leno show for um, videotaping cars. And we happened to film this million dollar Enzo that crashed on the PCH. And the guy was in a Swedish mafia. It was this crazy story. <laughs> wow. To not see that one coming. Yeah, I know. It was the craziest thing. We just loved pure passion, loved making cars. And then, I, you know, three months later, we had like the biggest car website in the world. It was called carparazzi.com. And it was, you know, kids who loved photographing and videotaping cars but it had like an artistic element you know we had rules you can't shoot at a car show you got to frame it well all these kind of things and um it was very cool and uh, I learned very young that like you could kind of just follow your passion and it could turn into unbelievable success it was not something I ever saw coming in fact I was kind of embarrassed by it because I was in eighth grade and all my teachers were coming up to me and I was like uh <laughs> yeah, I I'm, I'm trying to be cool and you know, for girls you can't you know don't tell <laughs> LA Times stuff you know now I'm like oh my gosh I would have been like loving that um but yes yeah, so that was my kind of origin story was videotaping cars and filmmaking kind of came in next when college which was just actually as a way to avoid writing papers I was in some classes and they were like you can do a video short or you can write a paper for this punk rock film class um, and I was like, I don't want to write a paper. And then I borrowed a camera and like made a, made my first movie and it did really well. And the teacher was this woman named Allison Anders. She had directed, mm. she was like, West. she's directed some, some big features. And, uh, I kind of got like a little bit of a pat on the back from her for, for the film. And I was like, Oh, I'm kind of good at this. And then I realized that scripts were written. So even though obviously it sounds so dumb, but like, I just kind of thought that movie making was like getting actors and people and filming and then they just talk and come up with the story. And I just know the whole story, mm -hmm. but I didn't think about dialogue or anything like that, which is bizarre. So I didn't start writing at all until I was about 21 in college. Mm -hmm. And there's a, a great story about that. Cause I was re I was reading your bio yeah, and then even just two years later, you know, uh, yeah. success struck. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, right out of college, I was lucky to have a, um, a movie, made it was i mean it's crazy because we're doing this whole writer strike right now but um this company was looking for a non-union writer because they basically spent all of their money um on on writers and things and couldn't get the network it was a network called up tv hmm. i actually think now they don't produce anymore and they're just a distribution network or something 
at the time they were one of like the competitors with Hallmark and um, they were looking for a non-union writer. And um, I just got, my name was thrown in the hat. I, I had got signed by an agent out of college or whatever um, for this comedy script I wrote, but nothing had come of it. And uh, they basically let me take a pass on, on a treatment, which is like, we have an outline for this story. It's eight pages. It's the true story of this woman who lived in the foster care system, who ends up finding a family through Craigslist. It was an actual, like one of those ripped from the headline story. And they just uh, couldn't crack it. And I remember I saw, I got my chance to write this treatment. And um, the idea when I spoke to the producer was that they just kind of wanted me to improve it. And I was like, I remember thinking to myself, like, I have a better idea and it's to not do this story chronologically, which was how the the last three writers had always tried to do it, which was following this girl as a kid all the way up until this event where she gets, you know, adopted as, you know, as a grown adult. And I was like, you know what, I have a really good idea and it's to just do it a modern day story and then to just kind of use little like moments of flashing to kind of tell her upbringing and her, her tough upbringing. But I just think this story works better as the modern day. It just, there's no reason to go through this chronological six years old. And so I remember thinking like, all right, there's a good chance I lose this job doing it. But I was like, this is a better idea. So I ended up writing that without telling him. And then I sent it over <laughs> and I didn't hear back. And then basically I got like a call that I got the job to write it. And then in like, then I was writing and then, four weeks later I, the script was done and you know, it was in production fast. And then that was kind of how I got my first movie made. Wow. That's right. So you, so they gave you the outline and you developed a treatment from that and then sent yeah. that in. And from that they said, yeah, we want you to write the script. Yeah. They gave me basically like a 14 or 15 page outline, every detail of her life. And I just was like, we need to fictionalize more of this and mm -hmm. make it more of a movie. And, and that was kind of my read on what I thought the network wanted you know, it's a holiday movie and it, it's a true story, but it's a true story. That's a holiday film. And so I, I basically scrapped their outline and their treatment. So the other writers had basically just tried to keep, you know, adding and changing. And I was just like, I'm going to throw away 90% of this and just start over with like a three page outline of how I would do it. And that's actually a really big thing. I always tell people, cause I always say it and I, to myself over and over again, like, when you get your opportunities, you have to be willing to take a chance on your ideas. And it feels much safer to kind of do something that's like already kind of what they what they say that what they're telling you they want. But a lot of times people don't know what they want until you show them. And and if you have a great idea, you kind of just have to risk like losing on your great idea instead of like losing on just you know tweaking around something that wasn't working and so that's that was my big big lesson that i try to follow more and more which is like when you have those big moments creatively and these thoughts you're like oh I, have, I know how to do this movie do that movie and trust that people will like your writing for your ideas not just you being hired to just polish you know so yeah go ahead justin i, was, I think that's one of my takeaways from like the video game industry as well is like often you'll get these kind of studio exec types who are like we're doing this and if you try to write to that it's going to be crap because it is crap and so if mm -hmm. you go off and write a great version of something and if you can write a great version of what they want that's awesome of course but yeah you know more likely you're going to go off and do what you did right like a great version of what you see it being something related but not exactly what they're saying 
instead yeah, of trying to, we always called it colored by numbers and you don't know where the numbers are. So no, and, <laughs> and all the same, you know, there's everyone wanted to get the movie going. And so it got the movie going. And then all of a sudden everyone's like, Oh, we can't imagine it the other way. And so it's, yeah, Sweet. you know, it, there's, awesome. I just think there's an inherent risk to being a writer or filmmaker or whatever, an artist, which is risking it all on your ideas and your voice is kind of like the craziest thing and the most rewarding thing and the scariest thing. But I, I think that that's what separates the writers who get their wins is when they basically are put in that batter's box. They're like, you know what? I got a really good idea. And I think these people are going to like my really good idea and I'm going to share it and not just do something that maybe is more safe and will, you know, feel like it guarantees me the job. That is great. So what was, so what was the end result of that? So you know, it went into production yeah. and it, it aired. So yeah. did that lead to more gigs or more writing opportunities? No. And that was oh. my first, that was my first <laughs> big wake up because I was like in Canada and I, I don't know, I just went to Vancouver and like, I was just at this coffee shop and I don't know, it was like kind of cool. And people had me like sign autographs and I was like, this is the easiest thing ever. I was right out of college. 23. I was like, this is going to go, I'm going to be driving a Porsche 911 by the next year. <laughs> and I and I, you know, I had an agent at the time and I had written this sci-fi script that I like, I kind of pushed him to take it out. And I gotten like 70 general meetings or across town with like, you know, bad robot, Amblin, all the big companies. And I was like, there is, I'm for sure going to get something. And then fl flash forward to like two years later or whatever, or two and a half years later. And I'm like delivering food and I'm like, what, <laughs> what the heck wow. happened? And, um, you know, and I've spent all the money just on going out and sushi and just, you know, I'm living like living like a king, sort of in LA, it doesn't really go that well. Um, and, but yeah, and but I the whole time I kept writing during that time, though. So that was key. Like, I, ne I was never like, not writing. So I wrote maybe 16 or 17 scripts in those four years. Um, yeah, which ended up giving me more opportunities in the next time that I got back in or however mm -hmm. you want to it as i just feel like it's just a constant thing of cycles and you're always doing good work and you're just like going with the flow and and waiting for opportunities for you to kind of you know during that time were you writing the stuff similar to that thinking okay this is my intro so i gotta keep going or were you just writing whatever you felt like writing yeah i was you know i was writing my sci-fi scripts and comedies and hmm. that was where i was getting a lot of reads and and i had made a lot of relationships with development execs from from my sci-fi script and the christmas thing was kind of just in the back burner i never went into it thinking that i was ever going to do that stuff um yeah, yeah. and and so i you know and nor do i think that i could have like honed in and made that a reality because i just think that you're only going to really be able to write what you want to write on spec. It's just, it's too much of a labor of love. And I was having too good of a time just writing stories that I was like, this is going to be the next interstellar. This is going to be the next alien, you know, just that's what I was doing. And I still do. I still treat it that way. Um, and the horror movie that I had on Tubi last year was a script I wrote in that time period. So I wrote that in 2015. So it was, I wrote it in that time period and it took six years for it to sell and Tubi wasn't around. Mm -hmm. So, 
you, you know what I mean? Like, it's almost like you, you don't realize when those scripts are going to have their epiphany light bulb moment, but they will. Well, yeah. yeah, that also raises a great point because I've was I've been talking to other writers about this that you know you 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 write and you write and you keep producing scripts, and you know nothing happens with them. You don't get any traction or nobody responds, and it's really easy and to get frustrated and just want to you know stop. But yeah, as we were discussing on this call, that you know we love the writing too much that it's a lot easier to give up and walk away, but then you'll always have that nagging. Did I, was this the right choice? You'll always kind of be second guessing yourself. And I think we realize it comes down to, we'd rather be frustrated and keep trying than to just stop. Yeah. And that's my, always my advice is just never stop. And, and, mm -hmm. and I only think people stop when they start writing something that they're not that passionate about, hoping to get some sort of yeah. external results. Like, Hey, this type of movie is in, I'm going to write it and sell it. And then you do it. You write it, you spend all the hours, time and energy, and it doesn't sell. And there was a major part of you that only wrote that project because you thought it was easier. Mm -hmm. And in my experience, nothing is easier than the other. I don't. And, al I and also by the time you're finished writing that thing that's hot now, by the time you're done with it, it's not that topics or subjects not hot anymore. It's yeah. already been played to death. Yeah. And, and you also like, you know, I had my last bunch of movies made without an agent. And that was one of, you know, my things that I remember when I was like, when I first got an agent, I was like, I can't, you know, I need an agent. That's how everything works. And just, that was just the culture that everyone, you know, I sometimes see that culture on the internet and, and Twitter. And I kind of just try to like, you know, Nixon, I'm like, Hey, look, like if you're waiting for an agent to start your career, you are literally choosing to live a helpless existence as a, as a screenwriter, because I don't have one. I still don't. I had, I had an agent one time and two managers and it was when I first started and it wasn't because I was a better writer there. It wasn't, it was none of those reasons. It just was the random timing of meeting someone who was fitting with my stuff. And I've, I've had much more success without an agent and a manager hmm. and a better talk and a better time, to be honest, like just no That's pressure. True. Like people kind of like, you know, you know, when you deal with an agent or manager, they might say, Hey, I don't want to take your script out. And what if you like it? What if you think it's great? I, I I always was in a situation where I told my agent who didn't want to take my thing out. I said, you need to take this thing out. But a lot of people, they kind of set themselves up to be in the um, in a weird relationship where they're like, they feel like they can't say anything. Hmm. And I just, uh, I always think writers need to have agency over their own careers and build their own relationships and and take charge of their own life and and not wait on some you know, idea that, oh, I once I get an agent, then my career is going to take off. Believe me, I know a lot of writers with agents who have don't who are out of been out of work for eight or nine years. Mm -hmm. Actually, I, that that makes a great question. So, OK, so you don't have representation. Yeah. So you go, OK, you've got a script and you want to take it out. Like, what's your process for that? Do you get in touch directly with, I guess, production companies? Because yeah. you're a director. So I guess you're you're sending out with the intention that you would make it yourself. Yes. Um, well, uh, the film I'm working on right now, I've been directing, but I've done a lot. I was doing a lot of writing, just writing and selling scripts. Um, but really, it's just from producers a lot of times, um, development execs, assistants you meet. Um, you know, what's interesting about getting one movie made or one project going is that you kind of meet these producers who kind of are warm leads that you can send future projects to. And then there's just like an element of like, you know, I don't want to call it luck and timing but it's like if you stay in the game long enough 
things will fall into your lap, but you have to be able to deliver. That's, that's the key. So all the time you spend writing, it really makes you a better writer. So there's been a lot of really cool opportunities that have come in front of me in which it was like, this person is, wants to read this, looking for it. And I'm like, well, I, I kind of have that script, but I don't really. And then I'm like, can I, can I get it to him in 48 hours? They're like, yeah. And then I basically would stay up for 48 hours and rewrite the whole thing to fit that on spec. And so I always tell people, it's like, how, like how badly do you really want to win when you get those opportunities? And a, a lot of, I feel my success has been in these crazy kind of pinch hit type situations where I was like, okay, like I need to deliver this thing in like two days and there's zero guarantee that it happens, but I can guarantee that it won't happen if I don't hmm. try to my best to, you know, turn this spec script I have into something that that person is looking to buy. Sure, sure. So I have one more question that I'll uh, toss it over to Justin for his yeah. questions. So I really wanted to talk to you about Teardrop. So, I mean- yeah because I was looking at your filmography and you're like, you have the Christmas, the, the two Christmas movies. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, it's a, what was it? A horror Western or a Western. And I was like, okay. And I was like, what, what is the, the arc from the Christmas movies to that? But then you were saying like, you're writing all kinds of stuff and the stuff you wanted to write. So I'm going to assume that that script was among that group of that. Yeah. There's, a, there's 16 scripts you worked on. It was a script that I worked on. It was a script that I wrote at Starbucks. And like, not, not working there. Just, I like to go to Starbucks and I was like, I want to write a horror Western. And I remember I took it to my one producer at the time. And he said, this is the most unsellable movie you could have ever written. Horror <laughs> Western are the most Western horror. Only thing worse than doing a straight up Western in 2015 was doing a horror Western. There was a film called Jonah Hex that had come out. Oh yeah. And it was a horror Western and it was a huge flop. And they were just like, He's like, I'm not going to even, I'm not going to even read it. And I was like, oh, great. Thanks, dude. Like, and then the next person that I gave it to seven years later, bought it in two weeks and then it was greenlit. So that, that script only got two reads. One wow. told me it's impossible. The other person got it made. So I, I always say like, just, you got to like really believe in yourself and, and write the stuff you think is good. And dare I say, just like get better at not taking things personally. And not letting frustration um, overwhelm you and overtake you because it's, I think in my experience that it's, it's a difficult career path for anyone, no matter how far along from the outside someone thinks they are, because they have things that are on their roadblocks, right? Like getting a movie announced and sold, right? If it doesn't get made, eventually that money runs out and your movie never gets made. And I know a lot of writers who are in that space who had a lot of big sales, but they haven't turned into any movies yet. And, you know, as writers, you want screenwriter, you want to get your films made. I mean, that's the ultimate goal. The, the, the excitement of selling a script is, is short lived if it doesn't get turned into a film. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty common actually in Hollywood is a lot of scripts that are bought. Sure. And then they're just in turnaround. They never get made. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So when I was at Telltale, I had somebody come over, probably a lot of people, but especially one that I remember who was like, how do I get into games? Because I've been working as a paid writer in Hollywood for like 13 years and making good money, like almost six figures or somewhere in there, sometimes probably more. Um, but yeah, it's like nothing had ever got made. It's just like, it's depressing. So you just keep writing into the void, right? Void. So we'll just be typing. And <laughs> uh, yeah. that, 
you nailed it. And that's the thing that I think we all forget when we're when we so badly just want, I just want to sell anything I want to get in, is that you don't really want that. You want to make your movies. The, the fulfilling part is the creative part, which is writing the movie and then seeing how it comes to life. And everything in between, like money and all that other stuff and things and press or whatever, it's it's short-lived. But the that yeah. other stuff is the like real reason that you meet any writer on the planet as why they got into it. Yeah. They have stories they want to people. Yeah. They have stories. So I'm wondering, do you have a process now? Like you're out there directing now. Do you have yeah. a do you have a team? Do you have like your people that you you found? Like what's your advice yeah. to somebody who's starting off and like they're like, how do I how do I do what spiders doing? Yeah, I mean, this film I'm working on, I would call this one my first like feature as a director. Um, we actually just shot um, Eric Roberts. Um, I got to work with him a few days ago, which was amazing. Probably one of the greatest directing experiences I've had. But I had done like, like eight short films, you know, sick amounts of YouTube little shorts, just things I'd always done, stuff like that. And then... Um, my brother and I had made a like no budget black and white 50 minute feature um, mm. that we thought was going to like change the industry and everything. And, and I still no, think so. film. Yeah. It was called spiral and we, it was called spiral before the saw movie. And uh, you know, mm. we just couldn't get through the whole festival door. You know, we got into a couple of festivals, but it was like, we made a film that was, 50 minutes and we you know black and white and it was like I, I was coming from this era of like wanting to make my pie or a racer head or one of those type of films yeah for sure and it was like the note I got was like you made a film for the midnight showing era where people used to go to like indie film festivals and things and like people don't do that anymore we released it in like COVID or something it was like just the the wrong time but I learned so much from that movie Um, I learned so much and I learned the you know, how hard it is to finish a film, how awesome it is, um, what you can do in terms of like, you can be really bold and creative and innovative and different. And it's surprising that so many people could, would just watch it and like, just connect to the story. And like, oh, you know, that wasn't that weird of a film. And I'm like, oh, here I was thinking that I made this like film that no one would understand. And that was not the reaction I got. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, maybe I'm translating by getting working with great actors and stuff. I'm translating these ideas and making them larger. And so um, that was kind of my buildup to this, to the feature down below that we're doing right now. Um, and, and then just doing a lot of scripts, a lot of writing, which I think makes my directing better um, is understanding how to be a really great writer. Um, and you work with some of the same crew that you've had in those shorts yeah. and that other. Yeah. Um, to be honest, this one, we've kind of found mostly new people. Oh, yeah. Um, other than my brother um yeah we what does your brother do my brother uh, is one of the producers on the film okay cool yeah and um it is one of those things where it's like we we i love working with him he's like my you know my best buddy and we we just kind of love to create stuff and whatnot but um yeah he uh other than that we kind of just like fresh slated it and and that's just different project different energy different cast too you know yeah. Like did you, you guys, did, did you write this one as well or you... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wrote this one. I wrote this script like almost a year and a half ago. And I wasn't planning on directing it and I just realized that I was supposed to direct it. Are you putting it together yourself or did you have somebody buy it and then agree got, to let you direct it? Yeah, we have financing and everything and um just you know, to make the film and do it with creative control, which is kind of 
I think the cool part about selling some scripts and stuff is you can kind of, you know, kind of come in and be like, this is my vision. This is what I'm trying to do. And then people are like trusting it. And now what's cool is the film is like 70% shot. So you can, you can kind of see that it's working. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's that early part of the film where you're like, is this going to work? And then, you know, you see, and, and just, just our last shoot was so good. Everyone was like, keep going. Like just go to the finish line now. That's great. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 looking forward, uh, are you? Do you plan? Are you going to pretty much stick with your own writing, your own stuff, and then directing it, or you like? Are you open to? You know, yeah. I, here's a script, and if someone wants to buy it and make it themselves, that's fine. Or if you want to, someone comes to you, hey, I've got this script. I think you'll love. You, I think you'd be a great director for it. I mean, what what is your? Do you have an, a a specific goal, or is it just about you just want to you know work and make movies? Um. I def if someone brought me a really great script, I would direct it in a heartbeat. I never, you know, I never, I don't even if someone brought me a great script, I'd produce it in a heartbeat. If it wasn't directed and I wasn't the writer, you know, I, I just like, um, I do love making movies. I, I really love being in the action of making movies. Um, and I, while I really do enjoy writing, I don't really enjoy the lifestyle of being a writer that much as I thought I was going to. <laughs> I, and I think that was one of the wake up calls, you know, very interesting is that I kind of started out being a director, then pivoted over to writing because I was getting all the success as a writer. And then slowly on the backdrop was like kind of directing shorts and stuff for on weekend, you know, things like that. And then realizing that I was like, oh, I feel that I'm a writer, director or a director. And that writing is just one of those things that's I really enjoy. I really love the scripts I've written, but to be honest, you know, when you write like 27 spec scripts, maybe some people want to keep going. It, it, it's almost lost. It's, um, I, I, uh, I, you know, I remember like for all this whole strike thing, I like turned down a writing, you know, like a job that wanted to hire me to write something. And it wasn't like a great job or anything, but I was just like, I don't want to write a spec script right now. Like I, I just don't, um, I want to make something. I want to be out in the field. I want to be putting it together. I want to be casting. Uh, I just think that there is a, a level of for me at this point new that comes with the production side the producing side the directing side and for me writing is like feels like jail right now uh -huh. on that note you talked about uh, agents and managers earlier yeah. have you thought about or already used them in terms of being a director no and that's something that interests me more actually um, and, and, you know, I, I look, I'm a, I'm a big believer in representation. It's I, and that's what I always like, like to clarify. I'm not anti-agent. I'm not anti-manager. I'm only empowering of writers to start making their dreams reality. And, and, and in fact, I feel like the best agent or manager you can get is by finding a way to sell your scripts or make your films and letting them see your stuff so that they come to you and are like, okay, I know what you do instead of you having to pitch them why they should work for you. Yeah. I think that that dynamic is very important, but um, in regards to your question, yeah, that's something I'd be open to. And right now, to be, to be honest, all I care about is making this film that I'm working on the best possible film that I can make it. And to, yeah. without sounding pretentious to try to, I, what I felt like I like, what I like about the script down below is that I feel that it's a very innovative story. And I want to make sure that I translate that innovative storytelling to the page and in a way not get caught up. And I think, I think on my last film, I cared so much about visual filmmaking 
but I lost track of translating the innovativeness of the story. And so it, this, I've had a, just a different approach on this one about like making sure that everything that was on the page comes across because I'm, I'm, I'm going through this like idea and like this like creative renaissance of the idea that should truly make a great film. You have to really make, tell a great story and that wow. the tools and the cameras and the lights and whatever are just like the whipped cream and the walnuts and the cherry, but the Sunday itself is the story. And that's where the writer has a ton of control. And so I'm trying to actually not underestimate what I did on the page and just because sometimes when you write a director, you kind of just shrug it off. Like, ah, yeah, I'm directing it now. And it's this, but I'm trying <laughs> to treat it as though I didn't write it because the script, hmm. the script has gotten me, all the great actors have signed on, have signed on just for the script. And so yeah. I try to make sure now that I'm like, okay, if this wasn't my script, how much more care would I go in? And, and, it, and it's a lot more. And so I've been taking that approach. And I think that that's something new for me and, and exciting. And, and I think that that's, creating a really great pulse in all the scenes we've been doing, which is just a loyalty to the page. Yeah, sounds very smart. I'm thinking back to my, I just did one short film like yeah. 10 years ago that I directed and it's the same, like where I, I lost track of it. So, so too many people, you know, you make your cuts, you're like, oh, I wrote that. So I can just cut that. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Mm -hmm. And then, mm -hmm. but like you said, if you just uh, give a little more deference to the script, a little more respect, I think the story yeah. will come across a lot better. But yeah. I also like something else you're talking about, how like, you put a lot of energy into that other film you directed and you're thinking, oh, this will be like the one, right? But right. it ties back to this documentary I'm watching about Schwarzenegger where like <laughs> he's trying to break into acting and like the first couple of roles he's beating are just crap. And it takes like five years. Everybody's saying he's the worst. He's a piece of shit. But he's like, dude, I'm giving this my heart. And then finally, like it just kind of starts happening one day. So my wife's been talking to me about like this idea, like just go out there and direct stuff, just direct stuff. And I'm like, I got to <laughs> no. my team. I got to get this stuff. So it's, it's cool to hear your story and hear how you're going about it all. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we're coming up towards the end of our time here. Paul, I probably have some more questions, but before I cut off, do you have any like words of wisdom and like like one more piece of advice about how to keep people going and the energy yeah. and the stuff we were talking about? Well, that's funny that you say Arnold because I've been reading his newsletter in the mornings now, but you know, oh, nice. <laughs> he has a he has a great perspective, and I think it's this um, idea of like having the discipline and consistency to do the work on the days that you don't feel like it but you're doing the work, you're doing the work for your high peak best self who believes that your dreams are reality, that believes that your dream life and things are going to work out. And so that person exists in all of us, but we can lose track with just a rejection or this or that or not feeling good or whatever. But if you have the discipline and consistency to do the stuff that that real version of you needs you to do on the days you don't feel like it, you're actually kind of building the momentum on even when you don't feel like you you good about it, you're still and I, and I think that that's the kind of like the Arnold thing that's like just showing up for it, showing up for your your dreams. And if that's to make it as a writer, it's like, well, if I was a writer, well, I am a writer. I well, I don't know. Maybe I'm not. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> I would just be like write as many scripts as I can until I've run out of stories I need to tell. And, you know, I've just met a lot of writers who are like, oh, yeah, like, what do I do? And it's like, I bring my first script and I'm like, you should be writing more and more and more scripts. Like, why? Because you don't know which one will be the one. And that's the one thing I really have learned and seen. And I still sometimes can't stomach it. But whatever I think is going to happen with my own creative career is never right. Yeah, I'm never I never know which product the ones I think are going to work aren't the ones I thought for sure weren't due. 
And so I feel like the best thing you can do is just constantly be taking action, not like a, you know, a hamster treadmill, but like taking action of like following your gut, your passion and telling those stories. And if nothing happens to them, pat yourself on the back, say it will find its place and figure out what the next project that excites you is and just keep going and not get caught up in the feeling like you're in a vacuum because it's, it's only a vacuum if you stop writing. That's the way I look mm. at it. Stop yeah. going. Mm -hmm. Awesome. There we go. I, I, I do want to throw. I do want to throw in that. Uh, I highly recommend following Spider on Twitter, uh, because he 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 gives these kinds of uh, sage pieces of advice all the time. That he's always he's really encouraging and he's really supportive to the entire writing community. And it's just it's just great stuff to read. And sometimes, you know, I'm I count me among the number, you know, days where you're just feeling like, oh, you know, I just I've hit a wall. I, you know, nothing's gonna happen. You read some of his stuff and it it's kind of like that uh, that uh, that helping hand to kind of like get you out of that funk and just yes. kind of like, yes, you, you know, yes, this is hard and you know, not everybody's gonna make it, but you have to keep trying because you know, if you don't keep trying, then it's definitely not gonna happen. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, I almost, I almost feel like everyone is going to make it at their own thing. It's some reality, but to, but it may not be the thing that you thought was going to be in there. And I think that's why if people take more action and do stuff. They sometimes end up in the area that they really want to be. I use my examples, my brother, who's, you know, loves producing now and things, but he started out in when I was in, in he's four years younger than me. And he was always going to be an actor and he had a, quite a bit of success when we were in high school, when he was in high school and he was on this big reality show and kind of famous around LA and had all these acting things. And it was like his whole life. And it was like his only dream. And now he loves the other side of the camera. And the only way that he got, the only way he was able to like feel good about walking, walking away from acting was he was like, no, no, my dream wasn't really being an actor. It was to be making movies. I wouldn't have known that if I didn't max out on the acting thing and try every possible reality into the point where he's like, wait, this whole auditioning actor thing, not for me. I don't enjoy it. Um, and so that's always almost like, keep going, keep going, because you will find out what your exact mission and vision and dream really is. But you won't if you sit around in your head thinking about how you're going to get something from doing doing some work and just hoping that that's like, oh, I wrote a script two years ago and now I'm thinking and sitting around waiting. Like, that's the worst thing you can do. <laughs> do something yeah. like write a novel or write, you know, start a blog or whatever. Make short films, do anything that's creative. And you're likely to kind of like end up in the path that's actually going to be your path. And that will give you the true fulfillment. And so, but that comes from taking action and new action. That's great oh, stuff. Yeah. Great stuff. This this has been fantastic talking to you today, Spider. Really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you guys having me on. It's fun. Our pleasure. Where can people find you uh, online? Um, yeah, so I'm on Twitter. I'm I think I'm, I'm on Instagram and Twitter, Spider Dobro, um, S P Y D E R D O B R O. Um, and then you know my my inspiration tweets have been down a little bit. I've been blasting my feed with this deadline and variety stuff for the last few days. Sure. Uh, just because I for me it's like. I want to make sure this film is seen. Um, but yeah, I'm always going to be there making the inspirational posts and, and um, on there. And, you know, that's the thing. It's like, don't forget that you signed up for this life because it's fun. Like th that's the reality is writing movies is awesome. Writing scripts is awesome. Writing TV is awesome. Making films with your friends, making films with strangers. It's awesome. So just don't lose the fun in it. Right. That's the, that's the big thing. And that's where you find me. Because if it's I mean. not fun, it's work, and work is not fun. 
Yeah, then it's just a regular job. And it's like, you know, it's an even worse. I always say it's like even worse than a regular job because there's no money, long hours, <laughs> never shuts off, you know? It's uh, it should be fun. And that's the main priority. Not to say there isn't hard work, but like it should be fun. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. Once again, Spider Dabrowski, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you guys. All right. All right, listeners, go check it out. It's going to be great. New movies coming. Uh, many more to come after that, I'm sure. And uh, please leave us a review, spread word of mouth, all that good stuff. Once again, this is a creative writing that I, I can't talk. Creative writing life podcast, <laughs> and I'm Justin Sloan. <laughs> and I'm Paul Zeidman. You can check out my screenwriting blog, Maximum Z at MaximumZ.blog, and my Go Ahead and Ask books about screenwriting and pie on Amazon. And I'm also on Twitter at Maximum underscore Z. Like he said, he's Justin, that's Spider. I'm Paul. This has been the Creative Writing Life Podcast. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, stay healthy, and most importantly, go write something.